0: The Gaelic word for grandmother is maher. And because of maher's challenges, there are times where conversation is very, very difficult for her. So my wife kind of taps into her training with the Baseball Memories Chartered community and begins to start those discussions of the old days, so to speak. My father-in-law is a Yankees fan, so inevitably she'll work the New York Yankees into a conversation, and as I'm listening, I can hear that woman start to light up.
1: What's up, Bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode number 85 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anady Tomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I had the opportunity to chat with Bruce McClure from New Hampshire. Bruce is a longtime baseball fan thanks to his dad. In fact, his first two in-person ball games, Bruce witnessed some amazing history, which I won't spoil here in the intro. Bruce is also involved with the Society for American Baseball Research. He's a Sabre membership ambassador and the chair of his local Northern New England chapter. He also manages the social media for an incredible group that I just learned about, called the Sabre Baseball Memories Committee, who work with Alzheimer's patients to improve their quality of life through reminiscence of baseball memories. We also discuss what it's like to work in the minor leagues, what City Field does incredibly well, and why your perception of Sabre is probably wrong. This interview was a lot of fun. I learned a ton, so I want to jump straight in. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter
0: with Bruce McClure.
1: Bruce, thank you so much for joining us today on the Baseball Bucket List podcast. How are things in beautiful New Hampshire?
0: I am doing great up here in New Hampshire, except for the 18 inches of snow in my backyard. But that's to be expected this time of year. We love it up here.
1: Yeah, that's... It's a lot different. I tell you, I'm staring, I'm looking out my window here. I am live kind of up on a hill and my road is a complete sheet of ice right now. And so the world has shut down here just outside of Dallas and probably will be that way for the next several days. So we're not quite as well equipped as as y'all are up there.
0: We simply call that a minor inconvenience.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. All right. So I want to jump in and get started how was it that you fell in love with the game of baseball?
0: My dad. My father was a baseball fan from way back. Now, believe it or not, my father was born in 1908. Okay. So uh, I was born in 1968, do the math. So growing up, dad used to tell me a lot of stories about uh, Shy Park in Philadelphia, where he used to go and kind of try to break in and watch the old Philadelphia A's. And he was a repository of baseball history, considering when he was born and what he saw. You know, you can click off how many different events or great things that happened during his lifetime. The 27 Yankees, DiMaggio's hit streak, Williams hitting 400. I can go on for days. So it was dad who got me started from being knee high to a grasshopper.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, yeah, that's what what a wealth of knowledge that I'm sure you just were able to kind of access and tap into on a regular basis. I can Totally understand how that would turn you into a baseball fan. Did your dad kind of persuade you to cheer for or root for a specific team? Or did you kind of come to your fandom on your own in terms of who you support?
0: Well, a little of both, because growing up, I was a Red Sox fan because of my father. My dad started taking me to uh, Red Sox games in 75, My first game was in September of 75. I got to see Henry Aaron hit number 745. Wow. The only home run he ever hit at Fenway. Uh, My second game that I ever went to was easily put game six. Of? It's of the 75 World Series. Oh, oh my goodness. The same year. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you know, let's. Just, I'm a little kid. Yeah. Dad got tickets through. Um, my dad was a minister, so he got tickets through some folks in his church, and took me. I saw the ball go over the left field wall. I saw this kid that home run. That's incredible. And yeah, I, I barely knew what was going on. I was tired and little, and was still trying to figure it all out. But that night watching that and those people celebrate the way they did and watching my dad i knew that this was going to be my jam for a long time (laughs) yeah
1: i mean most people will spend their entire life and never see a moment like that so for that to be the the second game that you ever attended is is pretty incredible and again there's it sounds to me Bruce like you never stood a chance like based on your your dad who he was and you know kind of being able to experience something so significant at such a, lo- a young age like you you never stood a chance you were going to be a a, a big time baseball fan forever
0: That's actually a very good way of putting it. I think dad wanted to make sure that this connection was there and would last and i can certainly tell you that he was right
1: yeah it's definitely stood the the test of time so i mean your dad sounds like he was a huge huge history buff uh at least a baseball history buff which sound maybe influenced you to some degree i know that you're very 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 involved with saber as an organization Especially there in New Hampshire where you live. So for for listeners, we we've had a couple of of Sabre folks on the show before, but for listeners who, you know, this is their first, this is the first time they're hearing of the organization, kind of give us that that quick spiel as to what it's all about.
0: The Society for American Baseball Research is the premier baseball community in the world today. Now we got started in nineteen seventy-two with twelve guys that got together in Cooperstown, New York and formed this. That's kind of the elevator pitch of the whole thing. But many people that I encounter or hit our website or I see online, or I even see in person at a ball game here in New Hampshire or in Boston, they instantly say, sabermetrics, numbers, you guys are the the, the ones with the calculators in their pockets and, and, and whatnot. And my response to that is, no, we're not. We have expanded the organization to such a point that there is something for everyone in Sabre, whether it be content consumers, kids who want to get into professional baseball, Sabre matricians, historians, whatever it might be. There's a home for you. There are people for you in Sabre. And it's very easy to find your people within the community.
1: You know, I, I go back to Moneyball and I go back to kind of the the birthplace of or that time frame where the casual fan came into understanding analytics as a part of baseball. And I think that Sabre gets lumped in with that often. And a lot of people make the mistake that you just talked about of thinking that, you know, it's, it's only Sabre metric nerds who are running analytics and that is the platform and the only thing that Sabre has to offer. But the more people I talk to, the more baseball fans I talk to, the more I'm coming to realize how much there really is to kind of dive into with that organization. So how is it that you got started with Sabre? What was it that kind of piqued your interest about it?
0: Ran across a website one afternoon while I was surfing the internet. This goes back six years or so now. And started reading. And thought, no, I can get some cool perks out of this. I can get, I can download some free books. I can maybe interact with a few people and see where it leads. So I signed up, laid sort of dormant for a little while reading some books or not really getting involved because as I got started, believe it or not, I didn't really think I fit in anywhere. Because I'm not that, that, that analytics-driven person. I'm not a great writer. I'm not anything more than that content consumer who wants more connection with baseball fans. Happened to be chatting one day with our um, membership services manager at the time, if I get her title correct. Her name was uh, Chanel Zapata. And she says, you know what? I've got a spot for you. And she drafted me into the Membership ambassador Master Program and said, you're going to help greet people and, and get started, and we're going to show you just what you can have in this organization. And I credit Chanel with seeing whatever she saw in me after I said, hey, sure, why not? i give it a try. And getting all of this that I do online started, to where I'm interacting with baseball fans, Sabre um, members and whatnot, every day of the year. And it has been kind of blown up into this thing that is really incredible.
1: That's one of the best things about the the baseball community online is, you know, in a world, especially online, in an online world of so much divisiveness and polarization, I think that uh, baseball fans are just better people. I, I stand by that. You know, I am I know there are some bad apples out there. But I think in the general scheme of things, baseball fans are usually good people. So I'd like to back up because I missed that little segue of, you know, you're talking about going to Fenway, your dad's dragging you to, to Red Sox games. But I can see in the background of your office right here, a little uh, not Red Sox logo, let me say it that way. So What is the team that you are kind of, what are the teams? What is the team? Who do you enjoy watching and supporting
0: now? see a lot of things back here that connect with the town in which I live here in New London, New Hampshire. I'm a a short drive from Concord and a little bit longer drive to to, uh, Vermont and whatnot. But there's some uh, photographs behind me from the old soil millers of the Eastern League. Now, I grew up in Northampton, Massachusetts. The next city over, which is about 15 or 20 minutes away, is Holyoke. There used to be a double A team there that was that supplied to the Brewers and the Angels, where I got to see an awful lot of baseball. You know, you know, just about any night of the week in the summer, we could get in the car and drive, and we were there. A very good friend of mine with whom I used to work kind of got me started getting interested in the Baltimore Orioles. And that's probably what you see with the little um, round pin back there. Mm-hmm. The Orioles give those out to those who attend their first game. If you go up to one of their information booths. So I got that at the game in which we, that we attended at uh, Sabre 50 in Baltimore this past summer. I see a lot of things up there from the old Britain Rock Cats where I used to work and some, just some historic photos that I've gotten along the way and whatnot. Uh, I like the Mets too. I used to watch the Mets with my dad because one station in the the area in which I grew up had the Red Sox, and then there was another one that carried the Mets for a long time. Mm. So, really, both clubs uh, were me growing up.
1: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. What did you do while you were with the Rock Cats?
0: Everything. Everything? (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens in minor league. Lisa, that's what happened years ago. Yeah. I was game staff for a long time. I worked in the office selling tickets. Uh, Think of one of the mascots that we had. I played those mascots. Those costumes are terribly hot. Oh, yeah. Holy moly. (laughs) Uh, I played Rocky at an Eastern League, the Eastern League All-Star game that was uh, fogged out years ago. Wow got two innings in and a fly ball to center dropped in front of whoever was playing center field at the time. And the guy never saw it. Mm. And that ended that they sent everybody home. It was a big controversy in the area at the time. Like what? But um, I, yeah, I did a, I did a lot for the franchise uh, for about 12 years and was Sort of sad to see it uh go away and move to Hartford, but then I got into Dunkin' Donuts Park, and holy how <laughs> is that facility incredible? And they market so well, and it is just an amazing experience for any baseball fan in that area to get a twelve dollar ticket and get into a ballpark. That is kind of like a little major league facility and have that experience. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. I haven't been up to Dunkin' Donuts, but I've I've heard many, many good things about it. It's on my list to get to I need to see a Yard Goats game. So it's it's always fun hearing that's the response everybody gives. Anyone who's had experience working in the minor leagues is, What did you do? Well, I did just about everything except play baseball, you know?
0: So <laughs> It was a learning experience for me, even at the you know, the age that I was. So at that time, I'm somewhere around 30 years old. I, I my age now. I don't want to do the math; it kind of scares me. But uh, <laughs> no. it it was a learning experience to understand the baseball community as a whole and interacting on a daily basis with fans of all levels, whether that be the casual guy who wants to come in or a fan. And night, have a few beers and yell at some ballplayers or the guy who was in the front row with a jugs gun and a clipboard. And I'm saying, I know that guy. I've seen that guy before. And he comes up the steps and he looks at me and asks me where a certain concession stand is. And then introduces himself and says, hi, Brian Cashman. Oh,
1: gee, I've heard of that guy too.
0: Yeah. You might've heard of that yeah. guy once or twice before. <laughs> so you, learning that interaction was one of the biggest things I took away from working with the rock camps.
1: Yeah. Many layers, many levels, and, yeah. and a lot to offer, mm-hmm. you know, a lot to offer a lot of different types of people. So that's yeah. one of the greatest things about baseball. So back to Sabre, then you kind of gave us a little overview of what you do, you know, what some of your responsibilities are. I know you're involved in several committees within the organization, and one of them seems to be kind of right up my alley and something that I hadn't heard of before meeting you. And that is the Sabre Baseball Memories Committee. I'd like to hear a little more about what that committee is responsible for and what the
0: the efforts and goals are.
1: So you, you
0: say those words and I instantly get goosebumps. Yeah. The baseball memories charter community is according to Scott Bush, the CEO of Sabre, a signature offering of our organization. Baseball memories committee is a, a charter community that works with Alzheimer's patients around the country. In an effort to tap into those memories that are locked into that, that patient's head and get them talking and interacting and, and hopefully reliving some of the parts of their lives to make their golden years, their, their current time more special and more meaningful for them and their caretakers. There are chapters of this, this, Charter community in several cities around the country. And we're going to be expanding that a little bit more. I can say that a very good friend of mine and the Rocky Mountain chapter of Saber, which is in Denver, Colorado, his name is Dan Evans. Dan has signed on with his his group on with us in order to begin a chapter of our charter community there.
1: Nice.
0: If you hit YouTube, you can search our Committee's name, and you will see kind of an elevator pitch of what we do. My wife is starting a chapter. Here was just trained. We're trying to get her uh, into an assisted living facility here as well. It's been something that has really touched her and I. And it actually led her to really say it's time for me to join Saber. Mm-hmm. Because her grandmother is one with Alzheimer's, and her grandmother is also one who went to the ballpark with Molly's dad, my father in law, to hundreds of, of games. Saw me play Rocky, I don't know how many times, but it's a personal thing. And it's a personal thing, really, with all of us. It's a beautiful work that I don't think we get enough credit or exposure for. So I appreciate you. Let me talk about this for a few minutes. If anybody has any questions about the baseball memories charter community, I would be happy to take anybody's emails or phone calls to discuss that with them and hopefully get them involved in the uh, work that we do in any way, shape or form.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. And you know, to your point of maybe the organization not getting as much recognition and and notoriety for it. It was something that I hadn't heard of until we came in contact with one another and you know one of the questions that's coming up is what's your favorite baseball memory and it's a question I ask everybody on the show. So when I kind of read that it obviously connected with me. Are you able to share kind of any of the stories based around that you know is there maybe a specific interaction with somebody or a story that you've heard you know secondhand from somebody who got to sit down with an individual and and kind of work through a baseball memory or something like that
0: well i can tell you not necessarily based with our organization in general but watching my wife Hmm. she calls her grandmother frequently The Gaelic word for grandmother is Maher. So I already I always know when she's calling Maher. And because of Maher's challenges, there are times where conversation is very, very difficult for her. So my wife kind of taps into her training with the baseball memories chartered community and begins to start those discussions of the old days, so to speak, Um, my father-in-law is a Yankees fan. So inevitably she'll work the New York Yankees into a conversation. And as I'm listening, I can hear that woman start to light up and begin to start having a more of a bright interaction with her granddaughter. And in turn, I see her granddaughter's attitude change completely from one of this is really hard to talk to my ma her, to really listening to that that joy come out. And that's really a lot of what we do, a lot of the chapters throughout the country, they have they, they have little programs that they do with folks. They'll create things based on interactions with patients it's amazing amazing beautiful work I work with their social media working to begin the process of getting this out into the open so I'm not on the front lines but I'll tell you what every person who is involved in this who is on the front lines they're all angels
1: oh absolutely yeah yeah that's incredible I love I love hearing stories like that and you know, just one of those things that I had no idea existed until until we touched base on that note, kind of, and to your point earlier about there's a place for every type of baseball fan in Sabre, can you share any other subcommittees or groups within Sabre that maybe people don't know exist but might find interesting?
0: Are you told me to keep this? Around a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> so if this goes a little bit farther than that, it's on you, my yeah. friend, not me. <laughs> right. No problem. <laughs> so again, there's something for everybody in saber. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit hit you right right now, my friend. We have a committee dedicated to podcasters. Nice. We have a committee dedicated to the rules and regulations and scoring of the game. We have a, we have committees and groups that discuss baseball simulations like Stratomatic and APA and research these things. There's over 80, 80, I think it's over 80 local chapters now, not nationwide, worldwide. We have chapters in Korea, um, one in Italy as well. Some of them aren't as active as they used to be. I'd like to see something happen where they get more active, but they're there. The number of things there's a, there's a research committee based on concessions. You can research food with saber. Nice. That's the coolest thing ever. So some of the things that are talked about are you would think are on this like super high you know mathematical research level. Ah, it's a bunch of guys who got together, and started a, a committee because they wanted to research the history of concessions in, in baseball. And it got that big. You know, you can download something like 75 books for free from our website and read about really any team that you want. The, the sheer breadth of information that's out there that's been researched about the Black Sox scandal in 1919 is staggering. Combine that with the fact that you, you now have the ability if you join Sabre to, to go back into the Sporting news archives for free and see anything you want from any issue published ever mm. in the history of the sporting news. You get newspapers.com where you can get into seeing things, you, you, researching things in different papers around the country. As well, the sheer breadth and the things that you can experience and do, it's such a rich, fulfilling experience. And if you look at it the right way, because I write about this a lot, a lot of those experiences carry over into what I like to call your real life to, in, to enrich and, and expand your worldview in that as well.
1: Yeah, I had no idea you had so much um, access to different periodicals and things. It makes sense, though, as a research committee, that you would kind of need access to that. But one of the parallels we draw all the time on the show is, is how baseball is a lot like life. Life is a lot like baseball. So I'm glad to hear you say that stuff that you do with Sabre kind of
0: carries over into your real life. That's neat. Without a doubt, without a doubt. We also have a huge presence with women in baseball. There's a women in baseball committee. Mm -hmm. It's headed up by our board vice president, Leslie Hepley, who is an extraordinary professor at Kent State University and a, a fantastic woman. If I recall correctly, she consulted on the League of Our Own TV show. Very cool as did Perry Barber, another name you've probably heard of before. Perry is a world-renowned advocate for women in baseball, has umpired in the Atlantic League and all around the world. And if I recall, she has also been part of that television show. That's
1: great to hear. I love that. All right, Bruce, I alluded to it before, but now's the time. For your favorite baseball memory, I gotta know what sticks out as your top or favorite baseball memory.
0: There's so many; it's difficult to choose one. Except a few years ago, this was in the before times, before the uh, before COVID and mm-hmm. such. My wife and I went to City Field to. Taken in a doubleheader with the Marlins. Now, my wife is a woman with celiac disease. So wheat's a real problem for her.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Eat her a piece of bread. She's in the hospital for a week. Simple as that. We went there and she didn't have much expectation for having a good time or eating or enjoying herself like I would at a ball game. And she ate like the queen because they had so many options for her. I know this sounds ridiculous. She had so many options that her enjoyment of that afternoon and evening was enlarged. Watching her go from, here we are, here we go again. I'm going to be able to to, to get, you know, a, a bottle of water and whatever to her sitting down with this giant incredibly well-done salad and beautiful drinks and things like that and watching her have that enjoyment for lack of a better term like anybody else would have. That was the greatest thing ever. I don't even remember if the Mets won or lost that day, <laughs> that day. I think they won one game. I don't remember. I remember my wife's face as she's looking at the menu saying, I can eat at that stand. I can eat at that stand. The It was like the joy of a kid, the the, the, the kid going up the tunnel and seeing the green for the first time. That's what it was.
1: I like that answer a lot. It's, it's funny to me how sometimes it's the most simple things that, you know, make a day or a memory stand out like that. And I know the exact feeling that you're talking about of just being perfectly content, you know, when you walk into a ballpark, time tends to slow down anyways. And, you know, your poor wife, for, for a doubleheader, if there was nothing available for her to eat, would have been perhaps miserable for... Uh, good chunk of the day, but good on the Mets for, for making things available to a variety of different diets. And I'm, I'm very pleased to see more and more of that popping up at ballparks everywhere. You know, whether it's vegan food, vegetarian food, gluten-free food, any of those special diets, it's pretty cool to see organizations making an effort to make sure that everybody gets the same experience of being at the ballpark and actually enjoying it. So that's a great memory, and I'm so glad that you guys kind of just stumbled into that realization about Citi Field. Now I'm beginning to see the uh, why certain committees, like the concessions committee, might exist within Sabre. What is the top thing left to check off on your baseball bucket list? What's that one thing that you've really got to see or do or place you've got to visit or person you got to meet?
0: You know, I want to be in the ballpark when somebody throws a no-hitter, when, when the World Series is won. I want that one lucky ticket that I take my wife to where something historic happens that she and I can sit for the rest of our days and say, we were there. We saw Joe Schlabotnik hit four home runs in a game off Charlie Brown, and it's it hasn't been done since something like that. I don't know if I have you know like like I'm sure my my pal Tim who who is who, is, who gets me into the Orioles where my my pin is back there is going to say what wait a minute you didn't say the Orioles win the World Series. <laughs> It's not that I'm a fan of just one team or two teams. It's the sport in general. So if I can have that experience with Molly of you get the ticket on a whim or whatever, and you you walk into that ballpark and you sit down and all of a sudden, and the eighth inning, you're like, hold on here. And you don't say it because that'll jinx it and you see it and you, you, you can say, Hey, I was there. You don't want to get the ticket stop anymore because it's all electronic now, but I, we can say, yeah, we saw that.
1: Yeah. I love that. I mean, that's, that's right there at the top of my list too is, and one of the things you have no control over, you know? So it's, it's interesting to, to word it that way because it does seem like that every time you decide to go to a game or you decide not to go to a game, you kind of are watching it with one eye to make sure that you didn't miss the opportunity to see a a no-no or something along those lines. But it's, it is a lottery, right? And that's one of the greatest things about baseball is that you never know what you're going to see. And there's no, I mean, how many times have just teams that are in the basement and just struggling so hard a guy comes out and throws a no-hitter against the division leader. I mean, it happens almost every year. So you never know what you're going to see. And that's one of those things that just keeps me going back to the ballpark over and over as well because I I want to be there. I want to have that experience and be able to look back like you just said and say, hey, I was there when that happened.
0: That's perfect. That's And it, that goes to the point that baseball is a community. Mm-hmm. And we as Sabre are just a kind of a microcosm of, of the community in general. And you can have those experiences with, you know, 35,000 of your closest friends in, in you know, in Tampa <laughs> or in Dallas or wherever it might be.
1: Exactly. That's right. That's exactly right. All right, Bruce, if people want to find out more about Sabre, if they want to kind of follow along with you, where should they go to learn more about you as an individual and Sabre as a New Hampshire chapter, and then Sabre as an organization as a whole.
0: You can follow me on social media at Bruce McClure NH. I'm on all the major social media platforms under that username. Uh, my website is BruceMcClureNH.com. You can email me directly at Bruce at BruceMcClureNH.com. You want to find out more about Saber in general without having to go through me because you've listened to me enough in this podcast, of course. <laughs> you can always go to saber.org and if you go to saber.org/join, you can see each and every perk that you get for joining Saber right on that page. Our convention is coming up in July. We're going to be invading Chicago. The Palmer House Hilton is our uh, venue. Information about that is going to be there as well. And I'd love to see a record-breaking crowd in Chicago this year for our convention. Nice. What are the what are the dues and, and
1: fees that go along with
0: becoming a member? A one-year membership to Sabre is $65 a year. You can get a three-year membership for $175. Okay. There are discounts for students and senior citizens as well.
1: Very cool. Awesome. Bruce, I cannot thank you enough for making the time to do this and sharing all of that great information and your your memories and your stories and just everything. It was a blast to chat with you and I look forward to meeting up with you in person.
0: I am honored to call you new friend and I thank you very much for this opportunity. This has been so much fun. Thanks a lot.
1: And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List Podcast. Special thanks to Bruce McClure for joining us today and sharing that great information about Sabre and some of the really cool things they have to offer. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to baseballbucketlist.com slash podcast and fill out an application. I can't wait to hear from you. While you're there, make sure to spend some time on the site, build your own baseball bucket list, track your ballpark visits, and connect with other fans. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.